coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Dr. Mark, my dear Dr. Patrick, welcome to Nintendo Franchises. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, I, I've talked about in the past that my husband and I have been watching a lot of Amazing Race. Yes. Which, of course, means that we're running out of seasons. There is only, I mean, Amazing Race is like petroleum. It's a finite resource. There's only so much of it. Wow, getting political. <laughs> And so we we have to find like other shows to like pepper in our watching, yeah. so that way we're like making the amazing race last as long as we possibly can. And so uh, we just started watching Flavor of Love, the 2006 Flavor wow. Flav reality dating show. Um, that uh, uh, is we're like two episodes in, and um, we're How's it really feel? having a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, well, that's good. I guess if, if if you're having fun with it, man, Flavor of Love is one of those things that I let uh, fall out of my brain entirely. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where I'm just like, nope, yeah. that doesn't exist in my in my mm-hmm. universe in 2021. I just don't even, uh, it, it doesn't have any space in, in my head. Yeah. Um, so uh, Sarah was gone this last week, so I had uh, a lot of time. Uh, that I was like, I need to just start like watching. I just need to be watching TV. Like, give me TV shows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, I was doing a uh, community uh, rewatch, um, starting like right at the end of season one. Um, and uh, I I was enjoying it, but then like the show gets dark and weird, and like you know is is a pretty negative experience. Um, so then I I switched over to Kim's Convenience, and let me tell you, Kim's Convenience is sweet and funny and the writing and acting all of it's incredible i love that show i'm so happy it was like upbeat and positive and like got me out of my like community just dis- depression spiral yeah it's really fun uh we watched i don't know if we finished the most previous season that went up on netflix but we've seen uh the previous seasons and really liked it i'm really i mean of course, it's this podcast. So if we're not talking about Nintendo, it's either Star Wars or Marvel. And yes. I'm really excited for uh, the uh, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi movie. That's yeah. called, I can't believe that's coming out this year. Um, I know, but outrageous. Stars, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy from Kim's Convenience. Yeah, and then the dad from Kim's Convenience is a huge Star Wars fan. And so he showed up in The Mandalorian in this past season. Um, man, oh, that all is the, him. That is we're him. Connecting. Oh my yeah, gosh. yeah. He's like the X-wing pilot. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the one opposite uh, Dave Filoni. Our worlds are colliding. Wow, wow. Um, this is so good. I, I, I recommend Kim's Convenience to, to anyone and everyone. Um, Mark, we're screwing around too much though, uh, because we have uh, a thing that we need to address from our previous episode. Um, as listeners will know, 
we were giving away a code of Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore for the uh, Switch, um, which I guess is the only platform that the game is on. So I'm sorry to specify this isn't Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Page Definitive Edition. Um, but uh, we got an email from Jason who uh, had been selected and he said, Mark and Patrick, thank you so much for choosing me. I actually found Tokyo Mirage Sessions at Walmart over the weekend on sale for $10 and picked up a copy. Would you like to choose a backup winner for the code? Thank you so much. Uh, Jason, we will be uh, drawing a new random number to give to someone who submitted their, their Mirage. Mark, I am now, I'm now generating the number. The number is 10, which means it goes to Brad. Uh, Brad said that his Mirage would be Yoshi. Um, hold on. Let me actually uh, pull up Brad's email and see if he gave an explanation as to why Yoshi. He says, uh, Yoshi would be my Mirage, the most lovable Nintendo character. Kind of hard to argue with that, but Brad, congratulations. Uh, Jason, Brad, myself, anybody else who's played this game. Uh, let's get a conversation going about uh, your experience with this. Whenever you play it, I know with RPGs, like I sat on this game for months. So yeah, uh, yeah I would I would love to hear from people who are playing this game. Uh, also, people that can. Uh, speaking of people playing a game, that man. Sometimes the transitions work, and sometimes they don't at all. Uh, the Sonic Forces borrowing program. You know, you want to be a part of it. Borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. All you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail at gmail um, and give us a mailing address so I can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. Uh-oh, there may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Um, you have no control over whether you get Untitled Goose Game or Sonic Forces. It just happens, and that's life. Mark, are you ready to get into our topic of, of, of the day? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, so today we are talking about entry points, good first games in Nintendo franchises. Um, and Mark, you kind of you you posed this one. Um, is there something that like sparked the the sort of like question or this like thought exercise for you? You know, it's more just like in general, like there are so many games in the franchise. Like I'm, I guess actually, really what kind of brought it up is I've been playing Super Mario 3D World, and this is like the first time, and it's. I'm enjoying it, but it's not my favorite Mario game. And that has just got me thinking, like, where does this exist? And, like, if I was trying to introduce somebody to Mario for the first time, like, yeah. three, like spoilers, but, like, 3D World probably wouldn't be the one I would start with. So what do you start with? Like, if you look at the history of, like, 3D Mario, which one do you hold up as? Because they're all so different. Like, which one do you hold up as, like, this is the best one for somebody to try for the first time? Yeah, they, there was a, a while, a couple of years ago, where I was, like, trying to uh, think about the series of games that, like, because the Mario games are are so different, but also, like, so similar to the Mario games that came before them. Um, and so, there, you know, if you look at Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, and Super Mario Brothers 3 on the NES, um, each of them feel like they are, they, they don't actually feel like they're part of a Mario trilogy, right? Like, if there's an original Super Mario Brothers trilogy, it is... Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels, and Super Mario Land. Like that that's an ABC of like that's one solid trilogy of Mario's. And meanwhile, um uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 is almost the beginning of a trilogy that goes Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World, 
Yoshi's Island. And then Yoshi's Island is the beginning of a Yoshi series. So like, <laughs> there are so many different ways to uh, to like look at it and try to like navigate around um, what these series are. So we thought we would go through some of Nintendo's uh, biggest, most like meaningful, impactful franchises uh, and talk about what the best entry points are. So a couple things like right right off the bat, right, um, is that uh, there are three franchises that we're really not going to be discussing. Um, Star Fox, Mario Kart, and Smash. Uh, and in the case of Mario Kart and Smash, it's kind of because I I don't know if it's unpopular to say it, but like the most recent, the most recent one is always going to be the best one. Yeah, or the one that I would recommend to most people for sure. Totally. Or you know, which one can you play? Like they're also <laughs> all fun. Like, <laughs> uh, and and then in in the case of Star Fox, I guess it's maybe that's maybe less the case and more just like why even introduce someone to like the series that is Star Fox when you really just want them to play Star Fox and Star Fox 64 like that's right and I, I feel yeah and like some and also some is just like with um you know we're not going to talk about F-Zero or right. Star Tropics or like games like that or where pilot it's just wings like, yeah <laughs> right yeah they're just some we're not going to talk about basically is what this disclaimer up front is Right. Look, you will get through a whole episode without us bringing up Rusty's real deal baseball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh darn it! Oh no! <laughs> I mean, sorry. You already did Star Tropics, so like I just had to pile on. <laughs> um, and so sort of in that same vein, let's bring in our first franchise here. And you know, uh, listeners of this show will know that uh, you and I aren't the biggest Pokemon fans, so it is perhaps odd that we Pokemon is such a uh, a big mega franchise for nintendo that i feel like it would be foolish of us to ignore it entirely um but mark what how how did you how did you approach um pokemon um so what i ended up doing was kind of cheated and i have like two answers okay the first is that if you're coming from pokemon go and like that is your primary pokemon experience then i recommend let's go because um i really loved let's go eevee like i I was shocked how much i liked that game i i like the that they use the go catch mechanic where you're Mm -hmm. just like tossing the pokeball instead of having to whittle down their health in a traditional rpg battle like um i i liked that a lot i thought like the world was fun i thought the fact that like the pokemon like travel with you and all that kind of stuff was just really entertaining like i liked it a lot so if you're coming from Pokemon Go, that's the one I recommend. Otherwise, this is one for me that I think you just get the latest generation. So yeah. I think if you were picking it up today, I would just start with Sword and Shield. Yeah, and I think I think that's good advice and sort of uh, an offshoot of, um, like, I, I also sort of have two answers. Um, and there is the one that is a, a more, like, generic sort of statement, which is, Pick up whichever one you think you're going to be able to play with other people. Like, if there mm. if there is someone in your house who like has a DS, like maybe you need to get you know a uh, black and white two or whatever um, is actually yeah. on 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 the DS because so, like it is fundamentally like a social game. You play it a lot by yourself, but like you know trading and um, trainer battles with like other people is such a big and appealing part of it that like. You know, this is one where you can bend to whatever is uh, uh, available, right? Um, and to that end, uh, I really think my like actual realist answer is just Pokemon Go. Um, it it's free. Uh, you can play it on your phone. Everyone has phones. People are still playing it. It has a ton of the monsters in it. 
um, and you get to go outside and walk around. Like, you know, if if you're just looking for a way to like be introduced to what Pokemon are and like figure out that world a little bit, you will be introduced to that world in a real way in, in Pokemon Go. Certainly, it leaves out a lot of the you know like turn-based battle kind of stuff, but I mean, I I I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, f- for all of these things, um. I feel like uh, I'm approaching this as a the person has no nostalgia for the thing, mm-hmm. um, and I think Pokemon Go does such a good job of making it engaging without forcing you to, uh, you know, rely on uh, your built-in love of the thing already. Yeah, that's really interesting, and I think you are spot on. Like with um, the one of the main entries you should play is the one that you can play with other people no matter yeah. what platform that is on that is so yeah that's that is definitely what people should do because it's it's not just like there is like the multiplayer and the trading component but there's also just the like you know talking about like what you're able to find and especially yeah. if you have someone who has the other version of the game like forget about it you you that's <laughs> you, sh- you should be playing that one yeah so true um all right uh so uh those aren't the most uh, solid answers for this one. I guarantee our answers for the rest of these franchises are going to be more definitive. We're easing into the hot tub that is this episode, (laughs) for sure. That's right. Um, Okay, let's get into the first, like, hard and fast one here, right? Um, Fire Emblem. Uh, Would you like to go first, or should I? Uh, Go ahead for this one. So for Fire Emblem, I actually went at it um, the same way I experienced Fire Emblem, which means that uh for well uh i i was going uh fire emblem awakening is my answer um but that is is actually not the game that i played first i first tried to play the uh shadow dragon um the remake of the original uh, on uh ds um but that game is clunky and i never got through it um fire emblem awakening is the first one that i played all the way through um and well i think you can make an argument for three houses as as a good starting point as i suspect uh you will uh shortly mark um i think uh this game does all of that same social stuff without making you run around a big empty monastery um and like the monastery can be fun like it is an immersive thing and like three houses is very good for that um but uh it's just like a cleaner sort of menu based um, relationship building thing in uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. Um, uh, Awakening also does a great job of incorporating your character's relationships, uh, like making so every character can pair up uh, with uh, another character and have a child, right? And the children are like come back in time from the future, so like you never even see the the, the children born during the events of the game. They just come back in time from the future, and it makes like sense in the context and in the story that is Fire Emblem Awakening. It's a similar mechanic as what happens in um, a Fire Emblem Fates, but like there's no. It just like in Fates, it just happens, and you're like, oh, their child is off in a different dimension where they age for a while, and you're like, what? <laughs> like it's it's such a like pull you out of the moment, but like it, it's everything is so wrapped up and so built in cleanly uh in, in Fire Emblem Awakening. Um and then uh on, on top of that, uh three of the main characters in the game are Robin, Crom, and Lucina, and they are all-time great Fire Emblem characters. 
um, as evidenced by the fact that all three of them are in Smash. It's the only Fire Emblem game uh, that has three characters represented in Smash. Um, and then there are a bunch of other rad supporting um, characters that uh, it's, it's super easy to fall in love with. I think uh, Awakening is the way to go. So uh, I think that's a compelling case. For me, I, you're absolutely right. I did pick Fire Emblem Three Houses, which was my entry into like playing and completing a Fire Emblem game. And I think for me, the reason why I recommend Three Houses is a couple of things. One, um, from having not played like Awakenings or any of the earlier games, to me, it feels like Three Houses is much more approachable in its systems. And I know for some people, like, it's dumbed down a little bit compared to the other games or, like, it has mm. removed features. But for me, that's actually kind of, like, the, a virtue where I think it's really easy for me to be overwhelmed with systems in RPGs. And eventually you can, like, you work out how they work and you focus on the systems that you want to focus on. But when I'm, like, starting a new franchise, I am, like, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of looking for, like, a path into it that is easy for me to wrap my head around. And for three M for sorry, for three houses, like I felt like I could really do that. The other part of it is um the monastery stuff I really liked. And I think it was because, you know, like th- having that like school trope and the house trope yeah. and all that kind of stuff that is featured in things like Harry Potter and like franchises that I was familiar with like, was also a really easy entry point for it. Like, that's what got me the most excited about Fire Emblem Three Houses, is like, oh, it has this whole, like, school simulator thing. And that seems, like, really fun to be able to interact with these characters in that sort of, like, magic school setting. And so that's why, for me, Fire Emblem Three Houses is the one that I would recommend. Like, apparently it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do, like, romances the best. It doesn't do uh, combat the best or anything like that. But it was... It felt mm-hmm. so approachable. Yeah, and, and and it definitely is approachable, and, like, you've got replayability. You know, uh, on um, Tuesday's episode, I was talking about uh, my experience playing Fire Emblem Fates um, this last week and about how it feels like an incomplete product, right? That, like, I can see that there are other paths and there are, like, little missions and stuff that I could be playing if only I threw more money at it. Um, and I guess some of that has been added now um but like there are three complete and totally different paths through four really um because uh the um red dragons no what is the red no what is what is the name of edelgard's house oh um i don't know was this in the dlc no 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 no. uh the it's uh one of one of the main houses (laughs) anyway it it, that that path splits into it doesn't matter oh the black eagles is that right? No, 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 no. We got to get this. Deer, blue, blue lions. Blue lions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in any event, um, yeah, all like it. It has so much, so much content. You could keep uh, playing that game forever. <laughs> are, are you finding it, Mark? I, I am looking it up because um, this is going to Black Eagles. Oof, Black Eagles. Right. Nailed Oof. it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they are both really good starting places. Um, you can't really go wrong, I think, with with either of those two games. Um, next up on our list is Kirby. I'm gonna let slash make you go first on this one. Okay, um, for me, the answer is super easy, 
and it is Kirby Superstar. Um, this was a, originally a Super Nintendo game that is now available on the SNES Switch Online. I think it was also on the uh, Super Nintendo Classic Edition. But this game, I think, is still the ultimate Kirby game. Just like the amount of content is kind of crazy. It has like one, two, I don't know, like eight or something different modes and games that you play. And some of them are to like varying degrees of uh, weightiness. Say, a, a lot of those are like mini games, right? Well, no, I think there's two that I would classify as like mini games. And then there are other ones where like the mode isn't super fleshed out, like uh, one called, um, like, uh, what is it called? I'm uh, Gourmet Race. That's what mm. it is. Where you're you're just like it's basically just like uh that one is pretty short it's just a race but like there's other ones like the Great Cave Offensive which is like a Metroidvania adventure um there is Spring Breeze which is a remake of the first Kirby game like kind of like a little like truncated remake I feel like it is the ultimate Kirby experience and so that you can play a lot of it in co-op like that is why Kirby Superstar I think is the best there was a DS remake or called kirby superstar ultra that added four additional modes that i didn't play at the time so um but i think like when i was reading about it on wikipedia they were talking about how it was intended by the developers to be like truly the ultimate kirby experience but uh yeah for me kirby superstar hands down it's the game that when i play other kirby games i compare it like it is the standard to which all other kirby games are compared and um i find most of them wanting yeah, well, so I mean, I feel like so that that's not a game that I've ever really put that much time into. Uh, so maybe I need to rectify that. But I, this is one I had a really hard time with um, because, like, I started I started uh, my Kirby experience on the original Kirby's Dreamland on on the Game Boy, uh, and that is like has some of the Kirby DNA to it, but is like there's no copy abilities um, and like you know it, it, there's no multiplayer. So like it it just doesn't feel like it has any of the like fundamentals of Kirby to it. Um so like for me the first like real Kirby game that I played I I mean I also played a lot of Kirby uh, Epic Yarn which is a game that I like but have a little bit of a hard time uh like selling as a Kirby game because again there's not really copy abilities. Um and there is multiplayer but like it's you know there 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 is multiplayer so that that is there. Um so like the first like real Kirby game I think that I like really put time into is Star Allies, which yeah, I, I don't think is a, a great entry point either. Like it's super easy and it's available uh on on Switch and everything. Um so I think I don't really have a, a, a good answer for this. Um and I'll I will just um you know defer to you on it. Well I well thank you. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, one one additional thing I wanted to say is when you're saying that, like, um, oh, but like the con, the different like mini games or the different adventures that are in Kirby Superstar are kind of short. I got like weirdly defensive, but you're actually right. Like they're not like all that long. Thank but you. Defer to me. Defer to me. But I actually think that it's a virtue because, like, thinking of my experience with Star Allies, that is the meat of that is like one long like adventure, and. I, See, I me, feel like you're selling Star Allies a little bit short because there are, I like, yes, there there is one long adventure, but there's also like three or four, uh, like discrete, 
very small mini games. And then on top of that, there's the sort of like boss rush thing and like the level rush. Like I, there, there are a lot of You're game right. modes in Star Allies as well. And I, I yeah. know that it's something that like, you know, Star Allies is, I think, sort of like a, a regular-ish punching bag for like everyone. But I don't think the game is actually bad. Like, I think it does well, a good job of being a Kirby game. See, I that I I just I don't I just don't agree with like uh when I was playing like I played now I will say when I played Star Allies we've talked about this in the past like I played it single player which I think right. was a huge mistake and I also played it I I wonder if I went back to if I first played that game instead of if I played it at launch if I played it like a year later or like six months later if my esteem for it would have been higher because all the added content and the added like allies and all that kind of stuff would have been there but i was very done with the game by the time any of that stuff was rolling yeah. out but um i guess like kirby's i guess what i wanted to say for kirby superstar is that you're right that the individual like components are not particularly long even like the longest one uh the longest like campaign mode for lack of a better term like um is you know it probably would take an hour to sure. to get through but i actually think that but for me that like short and sweet experience is a virtue in a kirby game because i don't think that the kirby like gameplay really holds up to like long sustained campaigns which is totally. how i felt in star allies where it was just like this is really long and it feels just like for the most part really like repetitive yeah it's i mean star allies is so interesting in that like i wonder if it would be like a, just a more fun game if you just like if it was just a game that you had and had for like a year and like played with your siblings or whatever, you know, like, yeah. Um, especially because like everyone could, you know, there's it's four player simultaneous. Um, if, if you have the, the people in the controllers, um, but, uh, I will, uh, I'll, I'll stop shouting about it and I will go back to deferring to you. <laughs> I mean, you can say that Kirby star allies is your, would be your entry point to the series. Uh, I mean, I, I I can, but I it's it's not an opinion that I hold like strongly <laughs> enough. I mean, I also like yeah. wrote a note on here that uh, uh, Kirby Planet Robobot is also um, a, a a cool mm -hmm. and like fun uh, game on the 3DS. Um, that does uh, it like it, it's a little bit too um, iterative on the Kirby formula, um, which would make it like a, an odd thing to suggest as like the starting point. Because then, like, all other Kirby experiences after that are going to be missing the, you know, Kirby rides a big mech um, component of it. Right. No, I, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point. Like, that was kind of the conflict that I came up in a lot of these series. Is it's like, okay, like, if I was introducing somebody to it, what do I, what do you value? Is it, like, the one that is the most pure form of that uh, right. franchise? Or is it, like, the one that I enjoyed the most? Um, and it, that conflict kind of comes up like in some of the franchises we'll talk about later, but it definitely is something that you're like, yeah, how do you boil down the essence of a series? Like, what do you really value when you're trying to introduce somebody to it? Um, that is as good uh, a time as any to move on to uh, our next. Uh, so, you, you, sorry, your, your game is, is called uh, Kirby's Superstar. Is that right? Superstar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Superstar. Um, and I will not log my uh, my entry because I don't I don't believe that I have <laughs> I don't believe that I have one. Um, our next franchise is Super Mario RPG. Now, obviously, uh, this is going to be all encompassing anything that has Mario and is an RPG. So could be Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, 
could be the Paper Mario series, could be the Mario and Luigi series. Um, I can go first on this one. Uh, so I th- this one I struggle with um, because my favorite of these games is Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars on the Super Nintendo, um, a game that is uh, de- developed by uh, Square Enix, Squaresoft at the time, um, and, you know, feels like a... A uh, goofy Final Fantasy game, but with Mario characters instead. Um, like that is just so my jam. It is very um light and easy and turn based and whatever. Um, but I feel as though that is not really representative of what the rest of the Mario RPG uh style games um actually have to offer. And I think that there is a lot of that game that doesn't age as well as I think it does. Yeah, as as well as like. You know, it, it has such a, a high place in my heart that, like, I can't, I, you know, I cannot pick it. So instead, I am going with Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. Um, because I think one of the things that the Mario RPG series, the Mario and Luigi and Paper Mario series do so well, is they kind of fluctuate back and forth between um, traditional turn-based combat and, like, exploration, like normal RPG stuff, and sort of mini game based event showcases right um where they will like put you in a little situation where you have to achieve something that is either bigger or stranger or whatever um and it's executed by doing these mini games and bowser's inside story has such a wild variety of these things that like you don't really know from moment to moment how you're going to be playing the game are you going to be mario and luigi like side scrolling inside bowser Yep. Are you going to be Bowser on like an overworld, like top down map? Yep. Um, are you going to be uh, swinging hammers on a raft inside Bowser's bloodstream uh, to like knock bolts away? Yep. Are you going to turn into a giant Bowser and flip your 3DS sideways and like box that way? Um, it's, it is like a nonstop gameplay variety thing. Uh, and that I think is the sort of essence of what makes the Mario RPGs different from like all other kinds of RPGs. Well, that's so I I have never played Bowser's Inside Story. What was it? Was it originally released on the DS? Was it a Game Boy yeah. Advance game? No, it was originally a a DS game and then, you know, remade for the um 3DS recently with um Bowser Jr.'s story uh as uh you know a, a sort of pack yeah. in there. Um which I think is uh a, like an ignorable um additional mode. Um, but the the remake is super pretty um, and is, you know, good and cool in the 3D. Man, when I, I was playing that game um, a couple months ago. Like, I couldn't sleep, and I just, like, stayed up uh, and, and played it kind of through the night. Um, and I got to one of those, like, you are enormous Bowser, like, you know, castle-sized Bowser. And you have to flip the 3DS on its side, so... Um, it's you know you're on one screen and the enemy is on the other um and it just feels like so epic and big and fun um and every attack requires the, like a different mini game to like execute it well um and like it's not a game that i've finished and it's not a game i think that you need to finish right i think it's just a game that you need to experience for a while um and then you'll know uh what it has to offer and by extension what the rest of the mario rpg series have to offer oh man like you convinced me I- nothing that i had seen or heard about that game previously had me interested in it really but like your description of it and all the different like dynamic changes that it has in like in store like 
that sounds super fun. Like it sounds like something I would be interested in. What did the re- the remake sold something like really like eighty thousand copies or something like <laughs> really really pathetic? Was that the second one they did? Because they did oh yeah, Partners in Time. Was that the first no, one that they remade? Yeah, that's right. No, or, yeah, Superstar. Maybe it's Mario and Luigi. It, it, they, it's it's the first one. Superstar Saga. Yeah, I think that's right. I can't remember. I don't know. I haven't played any of those games. But yeah, like uh, yeah, I think it did sell really abysmally, and that was one of the first. That was one of the first signs that like the Switch had kind of cut off the legs of the 3DS. Totally, as far as software sales go. But um, yeah, like that sounds like a really good entry point because I think you're. I agree with you 100 percent that the charm of the Mario RPG series in general, whatever like specific franchise or specific branch of that you're talking about, is definitely the little like vignettes that you experience in them. Um, And so my pick is Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. And this one kind of hurts me a little bit to recommend only because it's... How do you play? Yeah, you have to have a GameCube, you have to have a Wii, you have to have the physical disc. This is one that I really wish that they would um, bring back as part of like a virtual console, a remake, a remaster, whatever you want to do. Because to me, this is like the Ur Mario RPG um and it's a lot of it is like those little like vignettes the uh the little the because the game is broken up into a bunch of different sequences and each sequence you know it has like a mini story all its own so the memorable ones for me in thousand year door like the glitz pit which is this kind of like underground wrestling ring and there's like a whole sequence that takes place in there or the excess express which is like kind of like a mario rpg take on it's a train and it's kind of like a mario rpg take on murder on the orient express type like mystery they all um, did it and just like they all yeah did like, to do it's it. just it's <laughs> it's all it's so uh it's just really memorable and it's all the stuff that mario rpgs again no matter the branch are known for which is really funny clever writing yeah. really appealing likable characters this has it in spades and i also think it's like a really fun battle system which i wouldn't say i really like value that much uh you know in in paper mario in general like looking i played um origami king over the summer and really enjoyed it and like looking at the differences between the battle system in thousand year door and uh origami king like you can you can definitely see how they got from one to the other. Like they're not so radically different. The big thing with the or with Thousand Year Door is like it is um much more like it's much more clearly an RPG system where you yeah. get a certain amount of like heart points or flower points or badge points, and then that changes like you're able to like put your abilities into different things. But um it's yeah, funny it's just... for for both of our suggestions. I worry that we are setting people up to uh, never like Mario RPGs ever again, right? Like, because <laughs> because we're 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 suggesting both that have like sort of uh, uh, traditional uh, turn based combat systems, where that is obviously uh, the Mario RPG series is moving away from, um, with uh, Color Splash and Paper Jam and Sticker Star and uh, Origami King that they all have this sort of like either a limited resource thing in the the sticker and and color games um or you know this like weird uh you know radial puzzle uh element in origami king um 
I just like I, I wonder if Nintendo will ever get back to the sort of basic Mario RPG. And I think that is the big question. Like, I, I um, what is the combat like in the Mario RPG series? Like in, um, uh, Bowser's Inside Story. Uh, so in it, 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 like all of the Mario and Luigi games, um, it is uh, you know, re- regular turn based, uh, and always with like, um, your basic attacks will have. Um, you know, like a, you just have to push the button at like a, a, a special time to like deal a little mm-hmm. bit more damage. And you can similarly do, uh, you can dodge or deflect uh, attacks against your characters in, in much the same way. Um, uh, so like it, it's a turn-based where you have to like pay attention when you're actually executing the actions. That's so, wow. That, I mean, wow. It, uh, I knew that there were similarities between the, that like Mario and Luigi branch and like Paper Mario, but like, that basically is like Paper yeah. Mario RPG combat. Um, but at least like, I, I think you're right that obviously, you know, uh, with Bowser's Inside Story selling really poorly, Alpha Dream, the developer of it, went bankrupt. I mean, I'm assuming the two are correlated somehow. They may not be direct, <laughs> like, right. directly, one might not directly cause the other, but. I uh, mean, they, their previous game also sold abysmally on, uh, on, on the 3DS, the, the remake of um, Super oh, Saga, oh, did so. it? Yeah. Oh wow! I mean, so, it's yeah, all better, so, like, but I, not, <laughs> not yeah. better. So I think like that, like Mario and Luigi series is put to rest for now. Anyways, Paper Mario has evolved into kind of like a different beast altogether. Um, yeah, there really is no like pure Mario RPG. But if somebody were to get into it, I think there are you know a number of Mario and Luigi yeah. games that they could play. There's the previous Paper Mario game, which I don't know how you're gonna get it, but you could potentially you know the original on uh, nintendo, nintendo 64, 64. Yeah. <laughs> um so there would be at least some more for you to explore it's not a complete dead end if you're getting into it for the first time right well and also there's uh there is always like something fun in like knowing what the base form of the rpg is and seeing how they iterate on it in uh, those other games even if it ends up not being like even if the twist isn't something that you particularly yeah. jive with you at least have like this the the foundation to work from yeah like um, origami king yeah. definitely not that like you know definitely a different take on paper mario but still had like the charm of the writing amazing music yeah. uh, i still had a ton of fun with it so i think that's definitely true um next up mark maybe another uh th- this uh, is another one that feels like it's going to be tough or controversial we are doing donkey kong country um would you like to go first for me, I think it's hands down Tropical Freeze. Absolutely, I, don't know I 100% that there's agree a with better you. Donkey yes. Kong Country game. Like, I think it's kind of perfect. And I, again, I didn't play it on the Wii U. I guess I played a little bit with you on the Wii U, but um, I played through the whole thing on the version that was released for Switch, and um, that that's the one that I 100% recommend. The quality of life additions, the addition of like Funky Kong, which you know like is a character who is very overpowered like because the game can be difficult and so like yep. having the extra heart having the extra life in every character like all that kind of stuff makes such a huge difference that i but i loved it the presentation's amazing the music is mind-blowing um the platforming is so amazing i hope that we get another donkey kong country game in that vein because i i love tropical freeze so much yeah and i i think there's there's another part of this too that we um, don't really talk about when we're talking about the old Donkey Kong Country games. Um, 
but they don't have true like two player co-op simultaneous like it's it's a tag in tag out now you're playing now i'm playing um which like was fine i guess for the time but like once you play a little bit of tropical freeze or donkey kong country returns where you are two players on the screen at the same time like exploring the level together um anything less than that feels incomplete right so like for for me it simply has to be either tropical freeze or donkey kong country returns and you know returns is is tough because it is a good game but uh as it appears on the wii the forced like motion controls that you have to they're, they're really poorly implemented right um you have to uh shake the wii remote in order to make donkey kong like roll um which means that you're doing a lot of precision platforming uh that's there's there's no way to get precision out of a, a waggle right um so you know un- unfortunately i have to counter recommend donkey kong country returns even though they uh put those things on on button presses on the 3ds version then it becomes harder to play it uh, multiplayer because it's on your 3ds um so yeah I, I think tropical freeze is like easily the right answer um and doesn't make going back to uh donkey kong countries one two or three um less fun like i think those games are still uh fun and challenging and like cool relics of of an older time but like you can appreciate them as relics at that point yeah absolutely and the one thing i want to add to what you were talking about multiplayer is i like and i love in tropical freeze the ability like the variety in characters you have cranky kong Mm. you have diddy kong you have uh dixie kong you have funky kong like there are just so many options and that also makes it fun to to like choose your play style also and this is something that like i it's it feels so weird to go back to the uh super nes games and not experience this um but tropical freeze does such a good job at the end of the level of saying here are the percentage of the collectibles of each kind oh yeah totally it's like there are seven puzzle pieces you found five um, and then you can also buy items with, you know, in-game currency that will help you find the other collectibles that you didn't get the first time through. Um, like for a game in a series that it's so focused on um, collecting stuff and completion rates, uh, Tropical Freeze and I guess also uh, Returns um, are the first time the series is like giving you the tools to track your progress on those fronts. Um, and it's just, it's, it's nuts to me that that's not in the, uh, the Super NES games. I also think that the Switch version specifically does a good job of being like all ages because Tropical Freeze on the Wii U before, you know, like is a very notoriously like difficult game. But, uh, like I mentioned, like the things that they added to the Switch version to make it, um, friendlier and like the challenge is still there if you want it. But uh, it just makes it more approachable for everybody, and I think that's a huge win for that game. Yeah, I I, I agree with that one hundred percent. Okay, so we have just just the one recommendation for Donkey Kong Country: play Tropical Freeze. <clears throat> ne- neither of us, uh, by the way, even mentioned Donkey Kong sixty four. Is that because we don't count it as a country game? It's got to be though, right? Like, what else is it? I think you count it. I don't like it. So that's why I didn't mention it. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> I and also just talk about like uh, evolutionary dead ends. Like Donkey Kong yeah. sixty four is kind of a prime mate example. 
All right, so moving on to our next franchise. You liked it. I you did. I loved it. it. I loved it. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be nagging you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we're doing Metroid next. Uh, Mark, would you like to go first or should I? I feel, you know, I, I feel like between the two of us, like Metroid is kind of your series. So I'm going to let you go first. Uh, okay, so my favorite of the Metroid games is Super Metroid. Hands down, uh, and, and that, that, that may be a function of, you know, that's the game that I played when I was, you know, 11 or whatever. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to love it for, for the rest of my life. Um, on our most recent playthrough for um, this show, back in April of last year, which I cannot believe that that was a year ago now, um, uh, some of these seams on this game started to show for me, especially in the late game, right? Um, there's so much of Meridia is frustrating to navigate and like not super fun. And, you know, just the sort of like wet, dreary atmosphere drags the whole game down for me um, in a way that doesn't make it any less my favorite, uh, but does make it perhaps a stranger or like less inviting place to put new players, especially new players in 2021, right? If we're recommending games that are entry points for now. So let's talk about the way people play games now. Which means that I am going with Metroid Zero Mission on the yes! Game Boy Advance. <laughs> yes! This makes me so excited. This makes me so excited. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Keep talking. Keep talking. It's, I, I assume this, is, uh, this was your take as well, because uh, I, I know this is your favorite uh, Metroid game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it perfectly recontextualizes the uh, adventure, the, the very first Metroid game, which, as far as I'm concerned, is almost unrevisitable. Like, you can't play the totally. original Metroid now. Um, it's too obtuse. You need to draw your own maps. Everything deals way too much damage until you get, like, I don't know, two hours into the game, and then you have way too much health. And so, like, the, the balance and the pacing on the original game are just totally borked, um, and this saves that completely. Um, and then, you know, also speaking to the, the pacing problems that I identified in Super Metroid, this does not have that because when you get to the end, um, they pull out this like zero suit thing and you have to go like kind of stealthy. The game mixes itself up entirely um, and becomes like something else that is still somehow the same and super compelling and super fun. Uh, I just don't think there is a better like introduction to Metroid than Zero Mission. Yeah, I completely agree. I love Zero Mission. Um, I think way back in, man, like the first year of this podcast when we ranked definitively the best Metroid games, um, it did come down to like Zero Mission and Super Metroid. And I think at the time, Super Metroid yeah. won out. But like Zero Mission is, I, I, I completely agree with everything, everything you said. Um, it is, I, I just wish it was easier to play. Like I haven't played yeah. it for uh, years now because I, uh, is it available on the 3DS eShop or like on Virtual Console? No, like, I don't think so, it is. Yeah, it it, it was a uh, it was one of the uh, 3DS like ambassador games. Um, so if you oh, bought a 3DS uh -huh. early before the price drop, um, it would have been it would have been something that you got. But no, you cannot buy it on the 3DS. Um, it is available on the Wii U Virtual Console because there are GBA games available there. Um, but yeah, that's that that is too hard it's it's too hard to get a copy of it yeah which is such a bummer because i agree with you like i think this is such a great entry point for metroid and just generally like a great metroid game um 
what I love is that where when they were doing this, like, you know, Metroid Fusion had come out not that long ago. It was kind of Metroid Prime was, um, you know, had come out not that long ago. Like, it was a really exciting time for Metroid. Yeah. And I feel like what Metroid Zero Mission did was it took, like, all the cool things about Metroid from the past. Like, you have the wall clink from Fusion. Um, it added, like, some of the narratives, like, the idea of telling story through... Uh, through just like the environment that really like super metroid is really well known for but they take that idea and they use it really well in like to retell the story of that first metroid game and really give like that moment in samus's life like context for the metroid series in general and i know that story would eventually get a bad rap with um zero mission but like this was metroid doing story like so well um the improved controls i feel like it's like they had to pare it down because like the uh the game boy advance only had two face buttons and so it uh i feel like there's just like a little less complicated but also tighter like uh metro or samus for me in um super metroid is a little floaty like it just doesn't feel as tight and i feel like they really like tightened up the movement in zero mission it's just so good man i want to play this game again it is definitely the one that i recommend for people who are trying to get into metroid for the first time and understand it um it has like the right amount of uh like pointing you in the right direction which is another thing that drives me crazy about super metroid is that feeling of just being like i don't really know where i'm supposed to go i don't remember where i was like all that kind of stuff um and i and zero mission finds an amazing for me balance between uh giving you that sense of exploration that metroid is known for but also making sure that you're not completely like in the dark as to what you should be doing i also think it leaves you in the best position when you finish it to then start exploring other entries in 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 the series right like if you were digging the like the story parts of it then like fusion is a, a good place to go next if you were digging like the times when you were getting lost like super metroid is a fun place to go after that if you want something more like actiony then like uh samus returns is a, a cool place to go after that uh and if you much rather prefer first person shooters uh then you've got the, the prime <laughs> games to go to right like I, I i just feel like uh it provides a foundation in both a like gameplay in terms of gameplay and obviously in terms of story because that's where the story of metroid starts um and as much as it hurts me to not recommend uh, Super Metroid, which I still think is a wonderful game, and I love it. It's still my favorite. Um, I think Zero Mission's got got to be the way to go here. Man, this is... Wow. Uh, so that's two in a row that we've been on the same page. So I'm curious if that's going to keep going as we roll into Zelda, uh, The Legend of Zelda, and we're, of course, going to be talking... We decided to split these up into like 2D and 3D varieties. So we're going to yeah. be talking about the 2D varieties first. Uh, Mark, we'll let you go first on the 2D Zelda games. Um, yeah, so for me, uh, I, I just went with The Link to the Past. Yeah. I think, you know, it is, it's so like foundational um, to Zelda in general. And, or I guess Zelda in general and Zelda specifically, like so much of what works in Ocarina of Time and so much of the works in the Zelda franchise for so long is the foundation that is apparent in A Link to the Past. Um, 
I think that it has aged really, really well, like really, really well. gracefully. Yeah. Like it still looks good, especially with the um, renaissance of uh, kind of like pixel art in indie games. Like I think that that just reflects really well on A Link to the Past, where um, I think there was a stretch, you know, maybe during the PS3 generation, where some of that stuff, like for people who grew up on it, that kind of like lovingly crafted retro look was really appealing to us, but maybe like didn't really appeal to people who are just coming into gaming because it looks so old and i think that it's now been around a lo- around long enough and it has um been so influential to indie games that it has like come back around and like even just like stuff like minecraft where like kind of it has come around to being super cool and yeah i think link to the passage is like a fine wine it just gets better with age i i 100 agree um and this this is my pick as well and partially because like looking at the other options nothing else really came close right like i think it it is it is possible that a link between worlds is a better game that is possible um but there's no way you start with a link between worlds as it is like a direct sequel to a link to the past that i'm sure you can play it without having played a link to the past but like being in that same version of hyrule and reconsidering the spaces uh, of, of of those worlds um, for me was an integral part of that experience. So like, do not start with a link between worlds. Start with a link to the past. And Link's Awakening, like I I I think I went through the same thought process as you. It's like looking at the other two D Zelda options. Like, where would you even start? Like, it doesn't really make sense to start with Link's Awakening because I, as charming as that game is, I feel like fundamentally understanding like Zelda games first would be a better way to go into it. I think you could start with Link's Awakening and have fun, but I don't know that you would necessarily be like, and now I want to play it's, I don't know that it's setting you up for success with like the rest of the series. Especially when you consider the, I don't think it's a good entry point. No, the, yeah, the, the the first game is, is a tough one to recommend. Sorry. But just before we moved off of, uh, uh, Link's Awakening, um, those dungeons are also a real bummer. Like, um, yeah, it, in in a way that uh, you don't really see reflected in um, the other Zelda games, and like I do think some of the uh, later dungeons in A Link to the Past, like the uh, the Swamp Dungeon in the Dark World, the Ice Dungeon, Turtle Rock, all of those are a little bit too um, like recursive and a little bit too random, where you just have to like exist in them long enough, and you'll eventually like puzzle your way to the, to the right place. And there's no real like figuring them out. Um, that just means that there are like eight other dungeons that are almost perfect, you know. <laughs> uh, but like uh, Link's Awakening, like none of them are really like fun or sticky or have like concepts in them that are fun to engage with. The overworld of Link's Awakening is absolutely incredible, and I love it, um, and especially in the the Switch remake. But yeah, I mean, I just it's it's just got to be linked to the past. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and it's funny uh, that the um capcom ones uh don't even enter the uh the the oracle games or the minish cap like uh, I, I don't know yeah i i i think you know for better or for worse they they have their virtues but it's it's why i mean just straight up why would you start the legend of zelda series with a third party take on it yeah i mean they they at their best feel like more Zelda, right? Like, uh, right. Uh, Minish Cap feels like 
more but less good Link to the Past, and uh, the Oracle games feel like more but less good uh, Link's Awakening, which is fine. Uh, and you know, there's obviously a place for them. Did you consider either of the um, DS games at all? I'm curious. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't really. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I didn't. I didn't consider it. 2D Zelda, like when I was thinking, like what games fit oh, like 2D okay, Zelda, yeah. but it doesn't really fit 3D Zelda. Um, I hate Spirit Tracks, so I definitely would not. You're on the record as hating Spirit Tracks, right? And as like uh, entry points to a series, I don't think Phantom Hourglass makes much sense either. No, it's true. Even though Linnebeck is an all-time great uh, Zelda <laughs> character, yeah. Oh, hands down. <laughs> and Zelda being a ghost the whole time, what a wild game. <laughs> But I actually think, I think, like, Phantom Hourglass, like, that would be a great one. Like, okay, you've introduced somebody to Zelda with A Link to the Past. They were really into it. And then, like, you know, they've maybe played a couple. And then, like, Phantom Hourglass is the wild card that gets thrown out there just to show the breadth of what Zelda can be. The thing is, it, to me, feels like, and maybe I'm tipping my hand for when we start talking about 3D Zeldas in a second here, um, but it seems like a wild card on a wild card. Because, like, Wind Waker itself is already, like, sort of a subversion yeah, that's true. That's of, true. Of, of the Zelda formula. And then be like, and now we're doing it again. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so Link to the Past is our pick for 2D Zelda. Um, uh, let's move on to 3D Zelda. It shocks me every time that we start talking about 3D Zeldas, uh, how few of them there really are. I know. It's wild. Um, it, there's, what, like, six, maybe? Uh, we've got Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask. Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, and uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that's it. Um, and so th- this is this is another one where I have to like push away from what I think is the best of these games because the best of these games is Breath of the Wild, right? Um, and I I am not having that as my pick here because I think it uh from Breath. Where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah. Right, like two two things. Where do you go from there? There are no other games like Breath of the Wild. Um, and I mean, also, Skyward Sword is what uh, Nintendo's telling no, come us. On. <laughs> you don't believe that. I don't believe that. No one believes that. Um, uh, and also, uh, there is enough in um, Breath of the Wild that is referential to Zelda's past. Um, that I feel like it, it's a shame if you haven't played some other Zelda games before that. It's not going to ruin your experience if you play Breath of the Wild right away. And in fact, you'll still probably have an incredible time because it's one of the best games ever made. So, you know, um, maybe this is a a, a faulty exercise. And the answer for all of these is just Breath of the Wild. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because, like, I agree with you that I would not start with Breath of the Wild either. But um, I think for a lot of people, Breath of the Wild is their entry point into Zelda. And I Mm -hmm. think that's awesome because Breath of the Wild is an amazing game. And uh, rules. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Uh, great welcome to enjoying like zelda but it is i think it could be the future of zelda but it is definitely not like what the bulk of the of the legend of zelda franchise is so it feels like a weird place to start if you want to talk about the franchise as a whole yeah yes um even though it ends up being such a good like summation of the franchise but i just feel like don't start with the summary start with the individual pieces and then, then get to the finale. What a finale it is. Um, but so here's what I'm going with. I'm going with Twilight Princess, uh, specifically the HD version that came out um, on Wii U, which is weird, of course, because the game is sort of a riff on the Ocarina of Time. Um, 
but it is just uh bigger and does a better job of um signposting you know one of the things that you were talking about in uh our metroid discussion um if you don't know where you're going and what you're doing in ocarina of time it is easy to get lost um especially at you know different points as you're skipping back and forth between being adult link and and uh um young link um where twilight princess while having this big open world does allow it is like a fairly linear experience um also the uh the hd version cleaned up a lot of the sort of like noise at the beginning of that game um so that you can get out of the starting village way faster um and it, I don't know, I think the game just does such a good job of, like, introducing you to the weirdness of the characters of, of Hyrule, um, where, like, things are kind of ugly but interesting and lived in, um, and tells a cool story, and, uh, you know, like, Midna and Wolf Link are such, like, compelling visual concepts um, that, like, I don't know, I think it's just a, a, a really solid game. Yeah, uh, one thing, I didn't pick Twilight Princess, but I totally get where you're coming from. Because I, I think that it kind of being a riff on Ocarina of Time is partly what makes it such a good pick. Um, yeah. Because it has so much of that DNA of like classic core Zelda, but it is m- more than that a little bit. And I think one of the things I really like about Twilight Princess is how dramatic it is. Like yeah. the story with like Midna and the, tw- like the Twilight Realm and the other NPCs that you experience like uh, the Hyrule of Twilight Princess is a very, like, dramatic one of contrast. And that makes it, I think, unique in Zelda games. Yeah, totally. Wh- how, how, how did you go with this one? So I ended up doing Ocarina of Time, but the 3DS remake. So Ocarina sure. of Time 3D is the one that I went with. And it is because I think um, Ocarina of Time, kind of like Link to the Past, is so foundational to the entire series. Like, I think Ocarina of Time is just, like, a restatement of that in 3D. And I think the 3D version cleans up a lot of the um, annoyances and grit of the Nintendo 64 version. That it's, for me, the Ocarina of Time 3D is, like, now what I think... It was the Ocarina of Time in my head, which is what I wanted in, like, a remake. Um, And I think that, like, it... It has that kind that the weirdness of Hyrule, the weirdness of the NPCs, all of that. I think it for me, honestly, it's just that Ocarina of Time is a smaller, shorter, more digestible package. Mm. Whereas I mm-hmm. think of Twilight Princess as like an epic that you have to devote a significant amount of time to. And um so that's the that's really like what it boiled down to was a lot of it is just like time investment for the same kind of like grand experience. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, we, we will talk about, you know, how um, the Nintendo 64 games have aged uh, just in general as we get further into this list. But I, I do think that e- even with, like, the the uh, 3DS remake, that there's still a lot of, like, Nintendo 64-ness to mm-hmm. um, Ocarina of Time, which can just be a hurdle um, for people who didn't experience it uh, when that was what what gaming was, right? Um, like there is, uh, you, you're praising like the, the smallness of the game, which I think is right. Um, but some of the individual moments can also feel, um, small as, as well. Totally. Totally. And I think it's, uh, so I just wanted to briefly mention, uh, Wind Waker, um, because we brought up in, in the last, uh, segment, but also like, it is such a good game. It is such a fun game. 
Um, it's a beautiful world and everything, but like it is absolutely a uh, like it needs you to know what Zelda games are supposed to be and then like flips it around and does something different with it. Yeah, I completely agree. And again, when you're talking about at the very beginning of this episode, you're talking about like discrete trilogies. And there, you know, you have like Wind Waker, um, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks, wah wah. But, uh, you know, like, uh, I think Wind Waker is an amazing discovery for Zelda fans, yes. but it's not where I would start. Yeah, not, not where you would start. And also, yeah, you're like, where do you go from there? Like, I, I guess just to Breath of the Wild, but like, <laughs> that's not fair. You can do that with any of them. <laughs> Um, so good, uh, and then, uh, of, of course, neither of us chose, uh, Majora's Mask, uh, or Skyward Sword, but I think that, you know, th that's self-evident as, as to why we didn't do that. Uh, all right, so now we are moving on to 2D Mario. Uh, Mark, would you like to go first? Yeah, I ended up going, this one was really tough for me. Um, I me debated too. a lot between Mario 3 or New Super Mario Bros. U. And I ended up going with New Super Mario Brothers U. I don't know that it is necessarily the best game in the franchise, but you know, I replayed it last year and if, as like a single player experience for the first time. And I really, really, really loved it in a way that I was not expecting to. Um, and I, th but I, I think the reason I am picking it is because it is the a modern mario 2d game and it is like the most recent one and i think it's the best of like the modern mario 2d games and the i think the modern aspect like it, the contemporary is the reason why i'm choosing it as the entry point because i have a difficult time recommending as much as i love super mario brothers 3 i have a difficult time like recommending somebody go back and like have that as their first mario experience in this day and age uh that that's interesting because that 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 is my choice is is super mario brothers 3 um and partially because most of the ways that you can play it now um either on your N nes classic edition or on the um, nes switch online has built in uh save functions uh you know save state functions or rewind um to sort of like you know sand down the uh you know hard nes game um edges not to say that the game is overly difficult because it's not right. Like you, you can play it straight, um, and uh, it's uh, will present you with some challenges, but like isn't you know is, is doable. Um, I think for me, where three gets the edge over something like you or even World, um, is that uh, like I just I I like the way the game holds on to power-ups and then like gives them to you later in the game as like fun special rewards and it feels like genuinely fun and special when you get the frog suit when you get the tanuki suit when you get the hammer brothers outfit like they're all like rare enough and specific enough and like foundationally change the way you're interacting with the game enough um that they like they just feel fun and special in a way that like i don't know I you don't really have that feeling in um in other Mario games or if you do like um I guess maybe that makes it not a good starting point <laughs> <laughs> but like you know the uh, there's uh the the level with the boot um the uh the the shoe that you jump around in in, in World Five um and like I remember that being just like 
a moment that I treasured this one level that this power up was in, um, and like playing the whole game just to get to that uh, and have that fun. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe this is me looking back on something with a uh, rose tinted glasses, but like, I don't know. It's just so the game is so specific and so stylized and so cool um, that it ends up being like foundational to Mario in that way. One of the things I don't love about you is that it's not about you, Y-O-U, about uh, New Super Mario Brothers U, is that it is in that New Super Mario Brothers style, um, which is, you know, pretty sterile uh, and, you know, just like kind of plasticky and, and, and samey. So, it yeah, is. Yeah. It- it it is but that but like i also feel like that is how mario is presented today like the look of that world is the look of the mushroom kingdom um mm-hmm. for all intents yeah, and purposes true. um what so i didn't end up choosing mario 3 but one of the reasons why like i think it would make a great entry to the mario franchise is it is such a great like illustration of concentrated mario joy playing that game yes really conveys the joy of mario and the levels are like compact like the levels are short it's kind of like fast paced you see so many different flavors so many different levels so many different takes on the same mechanics like that is exciting that is what like makes mario fun and so i think it's a great ambassador for like the joy of mario and i think one of the um kind of i'll say like downsides of the later games in super mario brothers u is that they also have like multiplayer, which is super chaotic and super fun, but it changes the nature of the platforming that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Mario, Mario three is um, like, because it's just like that, like discrete single player experience that the levels are designed very specifically for that. And I, I think there's no better showcase for what Mario can be, or like the joy of Mario than super Mario brothers three. But I think for like, what Mario is and the breadth of mm, Mario, I so still go with New Super Mario Brothers. You, um, yeah, that's that. That's so that's so interesting. Uh, like, I think I think you are right that there is more of what Mario is and is now and is likely to be, uh, in in the future, um, in New Super Mario Brothers. You, uh, and more of like where Mario came from in Super Mario Brothers Three, um, where uh, both of us are sort of uh, avoiding world. Um, even though I know we're, we're both big fans of Super Mario World, um, why, uh, why, why isn't that one that seems like it was on um, your list of contenders here? The interesting thing about World for me is, you know, they kind of like uh, downshift in gears a little bit with World. It's, uh, it's not as fast-paced as Super Mario Bros. 3. It's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more about exploration. Um, and that would definitely become even more evident as it turned into like, a, the Yoshi franchise, yeah. but I, I think that's why for me, just because World simultaneously feels like a natural evolution of Mario Three because it is so much like bigger and grander and truly like super for a game for the Super Nintendo, but it also doesn't feel like any other Mario game. It just yeah. kind of is its own like weird two D exploration of what Mario yeah. can be. Totally. Uh, and I, I think for me, uh, I also, if you start with Mario 3, if that's your entry point, then an obvious second step is Super Mario World, right? Like you can just yeah. see yep. uh, what is effectively the same game, but like just newer and in a lot of ways better. Like I think Super Mario World is a probably a better game 
probably my favorite of the 2D Marios, um, but is another one where it feels like it wants you to know how those games work before you go into it. Uh, all right, and then that leads us to 3D Mario games. Again, uh, another one where I was like, oh, there really aren't that many 3D Mario games. And they're all like very different takes on Mario for the most yeah. part, other than Galaxy and its sequel. Um, yeah, this was the one that I definitely had the hardest time with, but also at the same time, it was like a fairly easy decision because like Mario 64... And then the next one is Super is Sunshine, which is so different from 64, yeah. followed by G Galaxy, which again is like a complete reinvention. Um, yeah, it, it's just wild how like different each of these games are. Yeah, how do you I, even I, begin I, to pin down like what agree. Super, what like 3D Mario is? Yeah, well, and like, do you even count uh, Super Mario 3D World in this or 3D Land? I didn't. I I, I like neither. They're, they're both great games and, like, could be good starting places for it. But I'm like, for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like what we're talking about when we're talking about 3D Mario. Yeah, it's like the Phantom Hourglass or Spirit Tracks of yep. uh, Mario. Yeah. Yeah, so we need to go back and do third categories for Zelda <laughs> and, and Mario. Um, I'll go first here. I went with Super Mario Galaxy 2. Um, because uh, I... I absolutely adore the Galaxy games. I think they do something with Mario. Like, you know, you were talking about like the sort of uh, concentrated joy of being Mario, of like running and jumping and that being fun and engaging and the most exciting thing you can possibly do. I don't think any of the games do that better, communicate that better than the Galaxy games. You're jumping between planets. You're a, you're a literal astronaut sailing between the stars as Mario. And you're doing it like through the power of his, uh, of his little feet. And you're shaking your wrist to make it all happen. It's so tactile. It's so like, uh, there's, there's, I always love just making Mario run around in 3D games. Uh, and Galaxy, the Galaxy 1 and 2, uh, is like the best, most concentrated, wonderful version of that for me. And then the reason I go with two over one is it's just a bigger game. Uh, it is just a better game. Uh, it gets rid of the sort of hub world of Rosalina's spaceship, um, which is novel, but you know, quickly, like when you got to get yourself back up to the observatory or the library or whatever these spaces are, it's too much. Um, in Galaxy 2, you can run around the face ship if you want to, but you don't have to. Um, you can just like move around on a nice clear map and get to all the levels. Um, you get all the stars, and then there's a second set of stars that come after you get the first 120. There's another 120 stars in the game. Like it opens up a, a sequel inside itself. The Yoshi stuff is fun. It's just, uh, and it gets rid of some of the like sort of obnoxious uh, minigames. It's like the manta ray surfing thing in the original Galaxy, which is a bummer. They don't bring that back in the second one. Um, it's just. It's just such a great game, and like I could also say the same thing for Odyssey. Odyssey is also a great game. Clearly requires you to be like a Mario historian to fully understand, appreciate, and love it. So don't start with Odyssey. Start with Galaxy Two. Yeah, uh, I came down to the same answer as well. I think super. And th again, this one's a bummer because it's not like readily accessible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it would have been would have yes. been great if it was part of 3D All Stars. But yeah, I completely agree. Um, Galaxy Two is where I would begin. Odyssey, I think, just like Breath of the Wild, is a fine starting point. It's a great game. 
like playing with Mario is fun. But to me, it's a um, it's a different or it's an evolution of Mario. And I think like if I wanted to introduce somebody to just the pure joy of being Mario in 3D, I would start with Super Mario Galaxy 2. You already mentioned all like the kind of like refinements that they made from the first one to the second one. And also like the first one, it introduced the, uh, um, you know, like planetary gravity mechanic. And and so it, that's featured really prominently. And of course, it is a big part of Galaxy 2. But I felt but I feel like they didn't feel the need to use it in everything as much because yes. they had explored it so thoroughly in the first game. And so that's why I wouldn't choose the first one just because it, uh, it is a different type of Mario movement. And I feel like Galaxy 2 has all of that, but also just has more traditional just Mario platforming. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, uh, there is a point later in the game where, um, like, one of the levels is the Thwomp Fortress from Super Mario 64. Um, so, like, it's it's that sort of thing that this game can do where it's like, no, 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 this is just, like, one big planet area um, that, like, just feels really, uh, like, good and fun to explore. Like, it does such a nice job of mixing in those uh, levels that are, like, sort of course-based, but also sort of, like, ex- exploration-based. Um, and also, uh, I know there is a, a final level in the original Super Mario Galaxy, which is, like, tough and challenging, but the the very last star in Galaxy 2 is a brutal, <laughs> a brutal take <laughs> on this, like, final uh, obstacle course called Perfect Run. Um, and it is, man, uh, it, it is one of those, like, Mario levels where, like, you have to be you know, in a trance to do it right. It's it's like the the champion's road at the end of 3D World. It's like uh the darker side of the moon in uh uh in Odyssey, um, where like, you know, you've been messing around with the game for long enough. Now you want to really challenge yourself. Like, here's the opportunity. And it like delivers on that challenge in like a fun, satisfying way. Yeah. And also honestly for this one, it's a little bit of like process of elimination. We are like, there's no way I'm starting with Mario 64 just right. because of it, you know, like um, it was the first of its kind. And so it hasn't aged amazingly. There's no way I'm doing Sunshine. Odyssey is uh, like, it's too soon. And then 3D World, I didn't even think about. So just kind of by process of elimination, it's the it's 3D. Be one of the galaxies, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So those are our recommendations for where you start. Should, should we recap them all real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So uh, Pokemon, you either uh, go, go with the one that you're going to be able to play with people or the most recent one. Likely they are one and the same and likely Go will, <laughs> will fill that in for you. Uh, Fire Emblem, either Awakening or Three Houses. Um, Kirby, uh, Mark says Superstar. I don't have anything to offer on that one. <laughs> uh, the Mario RPGs, I say Bowser's Inside Story. Mark says Thousand Year Door. D- uh, Donkey Kong Country, we both say Tropical Freeze. Uh, Metroid, we both say Zero Mission. 2D Zelda, we both say Link to the Past. 3D Zelda, Mark says Ocarina of Time. I say Twilight Princess. 2D Mario, Mark says New Super Mario Brothers U. I say, or New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, right? I assume you're doing the yeah, the oh version. yeah, or the Switch version. Uh, and I say Super Mario Brothers three. And for 3D Mario, we agree. Super Mario Galaxy two is the place to start with 3D Mario's. You bet. That's what we say. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's close this out.
Uh, would love to know if our listeners have other uh, games that they recommend as entry points for um, these series, or if there are a series here that we've kind of overlooked um, that are, you know, like within the realm of Nintendo games uh, and what the, those uh, those entry points are. You can write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and let us know. We can talk about them next week. Um, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. It helps us out uh, tremendously. And then other people get a chance to, you know, get a copy of Fire Emblem or the Tokyo Mirage Sessions or whatever it is. Or borrow my copy of Sonic Forces or listen to this, uh, this fun stuff that we talked about. Fun stuff. My God. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell. The show is at Nin Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. Rachel, do you like Disney movies? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen all of them? Yeah, we saw all the Disney animated movies. And we saw all the Pixar animated movies, too. How about the DCOMs? What? The Disney Channel original movies. You should listen to our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault, because we are watching all of them in chronological order. Yeah, and we do fun segments, like we cast each other. That's right, and my favorite segment, Zaddy Watch, where we rank every single DCOM daddy. Ooh, you can listen to all this fun stuff on our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, let's get back in the vault. It's cold out here. Campfire.